Recovery Radio, KMP3, Thousand Oaks. Ah, yes. You are listening to... Very happy that you're here. Very grateful that I'm sober. Are you tired of hearing that? I'll never get tired of saying it. I will never stop saying it. There will never be something else. God save me if there is in the foreground of my mentality. Just can't talk about it too much. I talk about the beginning of the show many times and will continue to do so I just it trips me out when somebody is a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous and that's not numero uno on their radar I don't understand that I really don't it's incredible if you're an alcoholic like me to wake up and not have the obsession it's incredible I'm never going to put that on the back burner or take it for granted or I mean as many times as I've had this conversation with people and as many times as people have had the conversation with me in early recovery it still escapes so many point that your sobriety is not guaranteed. If you don't feel like drinking today, it doesn't mean you will not feel like drinking tomorrow. We have a daily reprieve. In my experience, a lot of people do not get that. And as I'm having this conversation with them, a lot of times they will tune out. Not really listening, planning what they're going to say. They'll respond in some way that makes it clear they didn't Absorb that. But that's true. 
if you're an alcoholic like me. I'm not a spokesman for Alcoholics Anonymous, but our big book does say, as it describes alcoholism, the problem and the solution, that we have a daily reprieve that's contingent, based upon the maintenance of our spiritual condition, and that's it. I just it shocks me how many times I've read that with someone, said it, talked about it, and then they'll nod politely, and five minutes later they'll say, next Saturday is my 60 days. Or, I'm not worried about drinking today. I'm not, not even today. I'm not worried about drinking anymore. They'll say that. I hear that a lot. Well, the obsession's gone, so it's just gone for good. I mean, that's, that's primarily what I hear, which to me is just, it's just a huge red flag because of how it was explained to me and my understanding of the big book and my own experience. I've lived without the obsession early recovery and then it came back and if you've ever had it gone and then returned it is terrifying if you're serious about recovery terrifying so I mean I could go on and I could, the whole show could be about this and nothing else repeatedly it's so important That's why I start this show by saying I'm grateful I'm sober right now. Grateful I do not have the desire to drink. Every time I do anything involving gratitude, that's number one. Because the desire to drink returns. Who cares if I have a, what kind of job I have or who I'm, it doesn't matter. It's life and death. I mean, for me, this is life and death. Maybe it's not life and death for you, but for me, it's life and death. Had an amazing soul lead a meeting of mine yesterday, and they were really fired up about the solution and really no bullshit about it. As far as I'm concerned, it was just really, if you're an alcoholic like me, you need to live this, you need to stay in action, or you're fucked. And that's it. Doesn't matter how good your therapist is, how much exercise you get, how busy you stay. Doesn't matter. Your connection with I or power. It was awesome and shocking that that is so uncommon. Fired everybody up. It was awesome. Loved it. So I am so grateful I have no desire to drink today. I woke up and... Lo and behold, it was not there. Again, the opponent called the first drink was not there. Never take that for granted. Hmm. Man. All right. I am going to read an email. And I'm going to talk about it. I always appreciate the emails. 
Before I read any emails on the show, I always ask for permission to do so. So, it goes like this. Greetings from Down Under. Just letting you know, I'm finding the Recovery Podcast very thought-provoking, funny, and enlightening. See? Some people think I'm funny. I'm a lone member traveling around Australia with my husband, called Gray Nomads here. And I've been sober in AA for one year and one week. That is amazing, and congratulations. Before COVID hit, I was rarely close to getting to regular meetings, so podcasts have been a huge help and sober motivator for me. Now with the advent of Zoom meetings, I feel especially blessed as the whole AA world has opened up for me. You and me both. It's amazing. I remember in one episode you said something like, I no longer worry about how other people choose to live their lives. That struck a chord with me as I'm a mother and grandmother and find letting go of loved ones very difficult. There's a particular angst with one's kids, even more than with one's partner, I think. I was in Al-Anon many years, but never completely handed them over. The way it works for me is, I find myself obsessing. Then soon I start to feel like crap. Then I realize I'm obsessing again, and that's why I feel like crap. Then I pray to God to help me to remember that I'm powerless over others, I'm not in charge, and, and that obsessing only brings me down. This is a daily cycle for me, handing them over, taking them back ad infinitum. Then I'll have a glorious free-from-worry day like today, when I don't think about another's problems or choices and I am happy, joyous, and free. I'm guessing this is about as good as it gets, and that it's not realistic to think I will completely be worry and obsession-free seeing as I've been a chronic worrier all my adult life. I'm doing my fourth and fifth steps at the moment and have fleshed out a lot of my fears, which brings some relief. I loved your episode on fear, by the way, and the visuals you suggested. Someone suggested in my morning prayers, especially in the third step prayer, to put my kids into the prayer. Example, I I surrendered my kids to you to build with them and do with them as thou wilt. It's an interesting interpretation, and I think I will work with that. Also, I'm hoping steps six and seven will help me let go more completely. Funny I can let go of so much else, but this obsession is real hard nut to crack. But, you know what? Thinking about it now, this obsession of mine has served me well, and that I have to keep coming back to God and my reliance on God for my mental health. Thanks for being out there in the ether for me to reach out to. Keep on keeping on. Yours in the fellowship, Jenny, from Australia. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So, my thoughts about that. First thought, first thing I thought, and what inspired me to want to read this and talk about it on the show, is that I relate to what you said about finding yourself obsessing and then 
feeling like crap and then realizing and etc. That pattern. I relate to that. I remember that. But that's not as good as it gets in my experience. It's not like that for me anymore. At all. There's a term for it. I don't remember what it is. I used to know it. I felt like a really big shot when I did. I don't know it anymore. Maybe somebody knows it and can email it to me. But there's a term in math for moving towards something continuously, but never arriving there, but just improving constantly, but never arriving at a final destination. There's a term for it. And that's what the application and practice of the 12 steps are like. Where always improving. For me, it's always working better, these principles. Always work better and better. Less difficult to do. Easier to spot selfishness. Easier to spot, you know, when I'm in the wrong. And, you know, more willing to do it and the experience really it's just it's beyond words I mean always trying to describe what it's like but the experience for me has been you know fortunately from the very beginning I did not I was sort of the way I was shown and taught to me was to not put limitations on how this is going to go this is not a manufacture. I don't have to manufacture this experience. It's going to happen. I don't have to decide anything about it. How good it's going to go. How limited it's going to be. How well or poorly it will work. I just have to do it. Practice it. And... Uh, I mean, when I said on the show, I don't remember exactly what I said, but reading this and I know how I feel, I really don't. I really live in a state where I, it's very uncommon where I get tangled up in what somebody else is doing or what I, I, I just, I guess the belief that I know, this is why it's gone. The belief that I know what is best for someone else is not there anymore. I'm not just telling you that. That belief, the belief that I know what someone else needs to do, is gone. It doesn't matter what I think my opinion is, my assessment of a situation is, how much experience I have with what somebody seems to be going through. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant now to me. 
God's got it. And if God wants to use me, all I will know. And if my opinion is needed or sought after, I'll be asked. And if not, it is none of my business. It's none of my business. None. None of my business. I guess that's why it's gone. I mean, the root is gone, you know, because the reason I used to obsess and worry and that would be in a loop is because I still had the belief that without me, this person's fucked. If I'm not here, you know, it says it in the third step in the big book, the delusion, you know, he's a, is he not a victim of the delusion that he could rest which means wrestle, force, satisfaction, and happiness out of this world if he only manages well. Meaning, you know, most people, what they're talking about is most people actually believe if they don't step in to intervene in the lives and events surrounding them, they can't be happy. They can't be satisfied. There's just no other way to just let go and let things unfold and let people make their own decisions and live their own lives and learn. It's just such a dangerous thing to do. It's just how, you know, people need me. People need my opinion, my insight, my expertise, my two cents. I mean, and they don't. I've become convinced, unless they ask me. I do not give unsolicited advice anymore. And I've shared about it. If I do, it's uncommon and I see it right away. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? Sorry. You didn't ask. <laughs> but I really, by and large, I'm not interested in it anymore because the I didn't just prune the tree. The tree is gone. The roots have been removed. I don't... I know that everybody's just fine without me. And I've also learned that it's extremely loving to let people learn from their own experience and choices. And in my experience of trying seemingly everything over the years, it's very unloving, usually, to stick my face in there. And this is where, usually, all the justifications and rationalizations and exceptions come pouring in to the mind of the person I'm talking with. Well, this is my situation. You know, there's but but you know, there's a but. Well, I understand all that. It's all nice, but let me explain the details to you, and you'll understand. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The details don't matter. Unless somebody asks me for my help somehow, it doesn't matter what I think or what the circumstances are or how. It doesn't matter. Maybe the lone exception is if evil is being done or if somebody's being harmed. That's different. 
but usually it's not that. Usually it's something unrelated to that that I've decided is evil, but it's not. But no one's being harmed, really. I mean, real harm. I mean, like physical. I mean, you know, that's a whole nother thing we can get into. But it's not like, it's not, it's not that I'm just, I don't care. That's it. It's not that I, it's because I actually, it's because I care that I'm able to fuck off about people's lives. As much of a paradox as that is. I care deeply what, about what's going on around me and the lives of people. I care a lot. I do. So much so that I don't want to be selfish and try and run other people's lives. So, this is just one person's experience, but you know, I wanted to share all that because, you know, to anyone listening who's new or whatever, or newish or whatever, or any 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 anyone listening who needs to hear it, it's like it has served me well to not put any mental limitations on how good things can get, how well they can go, how much I can grow, change, what God is capable of, his omnipotence, unlimited power. A lot of times I feel funny for talking about how well I'm doing. It's just so bizarre and sad. Because I just... I've been told so many times I'm full of it. People don't believe me. You know, my life's just simpler. It's not true. But... I'm Today, as I'm sitting here right now, I'm not trying to manage anyone's lives. And that is an incredible feeling. So, Jenny, first and foremost, again, congratulations on the year and a week. And thank you for writing. And if my experience means anything, I want to tell you it can get much better than that as mine has so yeah I'm recording this in the morning again so I'm not back on the coffee I was talking about it last time that's the French roast I don't know anything about coffee and really as much as I drink it and love it and stare at it and make it I don't know what I don't know blends and different I don't know anything but French roast is really scratching me where I itch right now I'll tell you that for free so yeah I guess that's it for the day I am going to go try to live a life that was worth saving. And I hope you'll do the same.